Good Monday morning to y'all. It's Fightful Overbooked. It's time to get in the weeds. July 10th, 2023. I am at Joel Pearl. As always, the banger himself, Mr. Jeremy Lambert is here. That could be very much misconstrued, can't it? I mean, my wife would. Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, Joel? <laughs> Oh, apparently I'm doing pretty well. We're about a minute in and I've already managed to both crack us both and make fools of myself at least. So, <laughs> clearly everything's going on. Just this message the wife. Well, minute in and already. <laughs> I don't even know why I called you that. Sorry, kids. <laughs> You ever watch? You ever watch uh, Nigel Nigel Ling, who who does the Uncle Roger bit? He, he he's got he's like a he does like a, a Malaysian uncle stereotype, and he he critiques people. Sorry, he critiques people like doing uh, egg fried rice and other like traditional Asian dishes. And he, he's just he's very over the top. But one of the things he does is like once in a while he'll say a very like off color or just very like sexual joke, and then while a certain hubs theme is playing in the background he turns in like super serious back to nigel mode and says sorry children and that's exactly <laughs> what i thought of right there <laughs> oh my goodness anyway in the weeds we're live as we are we're already game over so it, leave a thumbs up because at least that way our absolute weirdness shines through and subscribe to us here if i feel overbooked it's been a uh been a busy weekend we got a lot of content going kate random watch along uh before aw collision uh talking about the uh, the punk and joe rivalry watching the first match with a whole lot of pals it was really nice see a lot of different people on the screen uh kudos to kate can't believe i say that for putting that together and uh and doing that and then of course the next night kate and i had to sit and talk about wrestling for an hour and a half which really ended up being like i don't know an hour of us talking about wrestling and 30 minutes of us talking about dicks kicking dicks it's yeah i don't know man dicks in the dirt dicks in the dirt and and, and how at wrestling shows uh my former co-host on on tim and joel tim would hear me say at wrestling shows quite often just kick him in the dick and he'll win and kate's heard it too <laughs> so uh, listen when the bloodline story has been all about dick kicking and dick punching it's it's just it's a bunch of kids it's a bunch of like boys in the schoolyard just having fun dudes having fun <laughs> Dudes being dudes and kicking people in the dick. Playing Rochambeau. I mean, that's yeah. that's what you do. That's how you decide things in, in the schoolyard. You play Rochambeau, make sure you go first, uh, and then you, you win whatever prize you're going to win on the Rochambeau. Yeah, I mean, it happened on Rampage too. It's not WWE specific. Evil Uno, boom, right in the dick. Adam Page, his old friend. And that's how he wins a match. Just saying, just saying wrestling. If you hit each other in the dick, you're going to win the match. More, well, I'm trying to think. Yeah, Shinsuke, Shinsuke Nakamura didn't win the title, though, when he was on the the uh, dick-hitting brigade that he was on. He got all the way to the title, did not win the title, though. So yeah. not a tried-and-true method. No, you're right. It's not 100% effective. However they did give us the wonderful last man standing match, which ended in a double count out due to dick kicking. <laughs> <laughs> which I think we've talked about on this show. <laughs> All wrestling contests should just be decided. We could settle so much. 
a lot shorter. You know, I don't like long matches anyway. What do we need these half hour, hour long matches? Punk Joe one and two would have been a million times better if they just did a dick shot like 30 seconds in and it was just over. Instead, it went another hour. Like who has time for all of this? That's right. You can get it all in and out in no time. You so can get your dick in and out in no time. <laughs> I agree. That's right. And if we had the sponsor for it, I'd put them over here <laughs> as well. Uh, by the way, donate a super chat. Get your question statement around the air. We appreciate it. It also supports us here at Fightful Overbooked. Uh, I'm going to read Shy Towers. Andrew Zarian's backstage just listening to us talking about dicks right now. I'm probably wondering what is happening. He showed up, so clearly something went right. Uh, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the question to Andrew when I bring him on. But here's Shytown Spurs sending us a super chat. Should Chris Jericho do a musical homage to Fiddler on the Roof called If I Were the Fifth Man Ahead of Blood and Guts, I'd be more open to his inclusion. Well, let's get him on. Not Chris Jericho. Let's get someone who's better than Chris Jericho on the show. Uh, folks, here is... Andrew Sarian's bottom half of the I would love I would love to see a, a a remake to Fiddler on the Roof with Chris Jericho, but he has to he has to embrace the role. It can't just be Chris Jericho. He's gotta be Tevia the Jericho. Yes. <laughs> I mean the walls of Jericho, right? It kind of goes hand in hand. Uh, that's fair. If I were the champion. Fantastic. You're Fantastic. writing this whole script right now, Joel. Like you've you've uh you get music credit for this when AEW gets nominated for an Emmy for this segment. Finally, God, talk about wrestling and Emmys. Uh hey, Andrew Zarian, you went to SmackDown yes, for Garden. I did. I was there. I, I was uh it was a surprise actually. I did, I had I actually I went to Lion King since you're talking about Broadway and musicals. I was at Broadway, I went to go see Lion King with the kids. And I got I texted somebody from there and I was like, hey, I'm like, any chance you got because I had such a great time and the kids were loving. It. I'm like, you got any extra tickets for SmackDown? They're like, you're killing me. How many do you need? I'm like, four. They go, oh, my God. <laughs> I heard the oy vey come from the other side. He didn't even have to say it. I heard it. And uh, they, they hooked me up with some really sweet tickets. They got me uh, in a suite and I was hanging out with Mike Johnson all night, which was fun. First time I've engaged with him ever. Uh, we were talking about flushing queens and the Mets. No wrestling, just about the Mets mostly. Uh, and my kids had a freaking blast. It was an awesome show. They were packed. The garden was slammed. That's wild. And, of course, they did the uh, the traditional stage for, for SmackDown. They didn't do the, the PLE, pre-PLE stage where they kind of no. in. And I found out why. Um, I, I That was the first thing I said. I actually, uh, the way I said it, I was like, I was like, What's wrong? I'm like, you guys are fools. <laughs> They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, you guys are fools. I'm like, you could have sold another 4,000 tickets at least for this for this show because it was a really, I mean, a hot commodity. And you could tell how hot it was. Those those secondhand market tickets, the nosebleeds were selling for a buck 75. I mean, the worst, worst upper deck seats were selling for a buck 75 on Friday morning. He's like, actually, we, we thought about it multiple times. We had this conversation. The problem was the the early ticket sales didn't move as quickly. So they couldn't make the adjustment because even if they had adjusted, you know, two weeks out, how many more tickets were they going to sell? A thousand? Is it worth it for that? No, not really, because then you're going to have an entire section that's empty. They, they, it really came down to uh, early ticket sales. But I was told that this is a plan now for the garden and other key buildings, that if the ticket sales, you know, shoot out the door, 
they they're able to sell. You know, let's say they they do it for thirteen thousand. They're at ten already. They'll open up the second half. They'll do that classic uh, entranceway with the big double. Door. I don't know if they can. I don't I know if they can. You redid the the garden, right? They they totally they redid, redid it. it. Yeah, they redid the garden. So I don't know if it's possible anymore. If they could, they would do a throwback SmackDown in a second and just sell out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, but they could have. I mean, I don't know. Could they have put sixteen thousand, seventeen thousand in this building with, you know, what they had presented? I don't know. I I think it just so happened that it's it's Manhattan, it's New York City, it's a Friday night, it's middle of July. You know, there was a lot of action happening. Manhattan was bumping that night. Every venue was slammed. You know, I'm there. I'm there all the time. But it was it, it felt like a really busy night, and I, I think they benefited from it. You know, um, the show looked great. There was barely any wrestling, and nobody cared in that building. Nobody cared. I mean, See, the fact that go ahead, Jeremy. The fact that like it was still the highest grossing MSG event when they had less seats than, than usual because of the big stage setup, and like they've held Manias, SummerSlam, like they've hold, held their top events at that venue. And this was still the high, and I know inflation over the years and everything, but like, it's clearly a hot product and they didn't even, I guess they could have gotten more money out of it, but like, it was still the highest grossing smack yeah. SmackDown or it was the highest grossing domestic SmackDown ever, but still the highest grossing MSG event ever when they've held their big events there. I mean, if you really think about it, when is the last mega event that they held that had over 13,000 people there? Really? It, it's been a long time. You know, they've been struggling with the garden. Uh, 2021, when they came back from that pandemic, they only had 8,000, 9,000 people in that building. The second time, remember that was that big, um, I forgot which show it was, Joel and Jeremy, you guys might remember, but they were struggling at 7,000 tickets. And at the last minute, obviously, they they pumped in and the marketing-wise, they were able to get it at like 9,000, but it was hard. Like 18 months ago, we're not even talking distant distant past. That was the that was I believe the raw that also had AW running UBS around the same week. That was maybe December of last year. Uh, it could have been, yeah. It could have been, yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, the, it's hot, it's hot, and a lot of kids, a lot of kids, uh, a lot of LWO shirts, a lot of um, LA Knight is probably their hottest baby face right now which is wild to think about outside of the bloodline stuff, you know, take, take away the bloodline stuff. Uh, super hot. He wasn't even on the show. He was on the pre-show showed up, did a little thing, uh, you know, with, I think top dollar. And that was it. Do you think he should have been featured more prominently on the show this week or uh... on this show? A hundred percent. And I think it would have been an elevator for him. Uh, I was, I was thinking about that yesterday when I was, we were doing observe Live. If he was presented on that show, I, I think it would have been another key moment for him uh, as far as getting elevated because that building wanted him. They really, really wanted him. Uh, and the last time I was at the Garden in March, it was the same exact thing. He came out and they erupted with him for him. And it's not – it's kids reacting. And that's the important thing here. Forget about us. Like, I'm not even ta- talking about us reacting, you know. I see the comments, and it's always an older person saying, like, oh, you know, Steve Austin and it's The Rock. He's doing Steve Austin. Fine. That's great. But you know what? Does it really matter? Because these 12, 13, 14-year-old kids, these 9-year-old kids, they're going berserk for him. Hear me so out. So there's something. Hear me out on LA Night. So I'm looking at the the YouTube numbers, and – 
the LA Night segment, which was SmackDown exclusive, one million views. The only other thing, the entire like bloodline start to finish uh thing that they put a vi- big video for it did 2.3 million just the final segment with uh jay uso was at 924 and then the even the tribal court segment is at 665 everything else like below 500 even below like 400 the women's segment's actually 518 but 1 million for la night here's what you do with la night just social media exclusive la night you can only see this man if you go to the arena to see the segment and then it's online only. And then when he finally appears on TV, he gets the big pop. That's what they're doing with him. That's, that's my, that's my theory with LA. I I hope they have a plan for him because I I don't, you know, naturally it's, it doesn't, it doesn't happen too often that a guy naturally gets over and they're able to elevate. You know, they always, they always have an excuse on why they can't push. You know, Brian Danielson was one. We heard every excuse in the book. Uh, Damian Sandow was another one. Not, I'm not comparing LA Knight to Damian Sandow. I know that there's some comparison there, but he was another one. He got over naturally, and they just didn't know what to do with him. Dolph Ziggler was another one, you know, with so many pushes. The, it, it's it's something that WWE is not good at, and that's that's pivoting with a natural change in their plans. I think for LA Knight, this has been brewing for about a year. Um, uh, you know, I'm going based on forecasting. And I, I can tell you, you know, the upside is way more than the downside of elevating this guy and giving him something. Put the IC title on him. Put the U.S. title on him. Something. I mean, it feels like the U.S. title is within his grasp. I know that they have to play out the Brawling Brutes and uh, Austin Theory pretty deadly thing, which I know a lot of people have different different views on, and I, I kind of fall into line with that. It's it's a weird six-person tag to do. But anyway, uh, you've got, what, four weeks until SummerSlam? It'll probably get announced two weeks out finish that uh that brawl and brute story with austin theory and then theory will be like i beat everyone no one's on my level and l knight comes out and says yeah and then we have a u.s title match for SummerSlam. do that why not simple yeah. easy. i i was just you know overall for that show um for a garden show to do a 35 minute opening segment just promo it's ballsy and it worked uh and i it, it's funny because the, the, that was a risk. And and speaking to people there, at, you know, at WWE, while I was in the building, they, they, they realized that this was a risk. It could have either gone terribly wrong with the crowd rejecting this, or it, it, it got the reaction that it did. And, you know, that building was interesting because they were reacting, but they were watching more than they were chanting. And I don't know how it came off on TV in that opening segment, if the crowd was loud or engaged, but they were, I mean, you look... It, I had I had like the, the balcony view so I could see everybody. And I had those those theater glasses. So I was zooming in on everybody's face. I could I could do one of these and I could see everybody's face. Everybody was shockingly watching. They wanted to see what was gonna happen next. And they don't really that doesn't really align for them too often. Either they reject it or they fall asleep. And they were into it. They wanted it all night. And then at the end, they got a, they got edge wrestling, which was a big surprise to everybody. And then they, they finished off with Roman again. And it it was a fascinatingly paced show. I've never, I've never been to a live wrestling show where it was, it was the way that it was presented. Uh, again, it felt like theater. It didn't feel like a pro wrestling show, which is fine, you know. Hey, look at what we see. I did one of those. Um, but it was awesome. Waldorf over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mike Johnson screaming about the '86 Mets behind me. It was fantastic. <laughs> the, I mean. 
Joel Joel can speak to this as well. But the the crowd at, at portions of it, it was low, and then you could tell like they turned up the volume on the crowd. Uh, they oh, had the mute. Yeah, yeah. Um, early on, when the the uh, you got penned chant that they were chanting at Roman, that was very low to start the segment, and then all of a sudden it just grew a little bit louder. It's like I don't think like more people chanted. I think they realized, oh, let's turn the volume up on the crowd. Well, I, also what they did, they they dimmed the crowd because of the chance. Yeah, they had to mute the crowd because, you know, they were chanting UF'd up or, and, and things like that. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they had to mute the crowd. And then when Roman started talking again, they had to yeah turn the crowd down so Roman could could speak and you didn't actually miss any of the dialogue on this. But the crowd seemed very hot, very interested for it. It definitely didn't, watching it at home, it didn't feel like like, oh, this is just dying. With the crowd it was they were either yeah. into it chanting stuff or they were being attentive like you said yeah i i i thought they did a great job now i mean did, did you guys feel it was a really good show or no watching it at home it 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 worked in that it like i don't, I don't want to say it flew by but it certainly paced itself in a way that i was like oh okay we're done uh but i also feel like the show was so bloodline heavy that everything else kind of didn't exist. I was yeah. last night and my feeling with the LA night thing, by the way, was that WWE loves to do a two and a half things that you remember per show and putting LA night on the show where it was bloodline was number one and two. And then the half was Grayson Waller and, and edge. Like that was putting him on the show would have been detrimental to LA Knight's kind of focus. And I think if you bring him in next week and he becomes number one or two focus on on the show, then you're kind of telling the people he's important. If they brought him in this yeah. week, it would have been like, here he is, big cheer, and then that's it. Bringing him out in front of the crowd was smart. But uh, the show itself, watching it on TV, I thought it was paced in a way that, that yeah, it felt good. Uh, it, I don't think it really dragged too long with the opening segments. And then the matches themselves were just kind of there, and that was okay. Edge and Waller, really good match. Setup was fine. Glad that Waller is now wrestling a match instead of just talking for 15 minutes. He had a broken leg. He had a broken no, leg. I get that. But my point is I'm, I'm legitimately happy to watch him wrestle instead of doing a 15-minute segment that could not go anywhere at the time because he was injured. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's also really interesting because, um, like, the fan, fandom, right? Like, seeing seeing who people react to. Like, I'm, I'm almost 40. So I'm an in-between generation of what's watching right now. Mostly the people that were there in that crowd, even with their kids, were people that grew up in that 2000s period, you know, that were watching in that 2000s. So Edge obviously is a big deal for them. Uh, you know, like when you have these returns, like it's now shifting like Randy Orton, right? Randy, Edge, like that generation is now bringing their families. It's not the Hulk Hogan generation that I grew up on and the Ultimate Warrior generation. So it's interesting to see how the crowd is changing. Uh, and the reaction to things is changing. I, I, it, it, I, it was really every time I go, I, I love people watching because you kind of get a gauge of where things are headed. And you know, like the legends, like we talk about bringing up legends, like Edge is one of those. But Edge is forty-seven years old now. You know, Edge is not going to be doing this too much, too much uh, moving forward. But who's that next generation that will? Who are the next generation of forty-year-olds that you're going to see? I, they're wrestling. They never stopped. You know, like Samoa Joe, he's in his 40s. AJ Styles is 44. Damian Priest is 40. LA Knight is 40. You know, the, the 
we grew up on this generation where like, oh, crap, you're 38 years old. Remember, we saw John Cena's turning 38. Is his career ending soon? Yeah. You know, but now these guys are more active. So I'm curious, like, who's going to be that next generation that brings a big pop when they return? I don't know. I don't think these guys ever stop now. So I think it's just going to be a transitional thing. You know, they'll appear every now and then. Um, I, I think a lot of people also thought Bray was showing up. I don't know why. There was also the Carlito rumor that people were. And the Carlito rumor. Yeah, I got asked that. But I mean, not that I'm saying I got stopped in the streets and people were, you know, clamoring <laughs> to ask me a question, but I, I got stopped. And people were like, do you know Carlito's here? Do you know if. But overwhelmingly, people were asking me about Bray. I didn't hear. I, I don't know. I didn't hear anything about Bray. Carlito was. Carlito was a big thing. I think PW Insider even like said like this was the plan, and obviously plans can change and stuff. But they said a couple weeks ago that Carlito was planned for like the MSG show. That was the how do you not bring out Carlito at MSG? It's a huge market for him. You know, not first of all, it's a great it's a great market to bring him back, right? To begin with, but I mean, we have a huge Puerto Rican population here, dude. LWO shirts up the wazoo, unbelievable to see. So many LWO shirts. It is over. I mean, it's it's New York, so of course it's going to be over here. I don't know in like like you know uh, Plymouth, Montana, how over the LWO is going to be, but in New York City, it's very over. So just before, uh, is we... that a place? Is Plymouth, Montana, a place? Right, let's let's you yeah. all right. You you look it up, and I'm going to tell. You. Okay, let's, we're going to start to wind down here. Uh, the Spear in Vegas. That was a topic of conversation for many reasons. Uh, we've mentioned it on the show, and I saw that uh, the F4W threads are starting to talk about the possibility of running uh, the Sphere. You want to you want to talk about that? The MS. I got some insight on that. A hundred percent, they're going to run the Sphere. Yeah, it just depends on when they want to run the Sphere, and MSG very much wants them to run the Sphere. Uh, it's going to be a hot attraction venue. Uh, they every hot act that you could imagine is going to want to run that building uh it, it's it's wild i don't know I, I mean what would they do for wwe you know would they would they would they present it on the sphere would they do something oh, cool yeah. i don't know but absolutely you would yeah wasn't that sphere going to be for e-gaming only remember that see i don't remember i just remember youtube being like we want in first and we'll pay whatever we need to to get there and they're gonna yeah, probably- YouTube, you- there's some cool stuff in there yeah, MSG is doing some interesting things. Um, I know a lot of the people there. Uh, but WWE, 100%, I expect them to run the sphere. I don't know if it's going to be 2024, uh, but it, it's it's in the plan. I mean, that it's, how do you not run that venue? It's a very unique venue, and it's an automatic sellout. You run the sphere. Yeah. Not only do you have the push from the Venetian that's going to comp half your freaking tickets, that building is going to be 100% at occupancy because you got the Las Vegas you know, push for the hotels. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to seeing that venue get run for wrestling because someone was going to do it. I talked to Mark Hoke, who, who lives in Vegas and was at Double or Nothing, and we talked about the Sphere on the show, and I was like, someone's going to run that venue. And if it's not Tony, who at the time didn't know about the Sphere, it's going to be WWE because they have the relationship with the Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if they could get in that building, if AEW could get in that Sphere. It's a garden connection, you know? Right. And we, know, so, we know how that works. Yeah. But they're they're happy to run T-Mobile or Modelo or any of those local you know yeah. hotel adjacent MGM. They could potentially work there again. Uh, but yeah, anyway, just wanted to bring it up. Joel, I know we got like I know you have another guest at ten thirty, but I have a question: What the hell's going on with AEW in Canada? Why can't they sell tickets over there? Well, you see, when you uh, when you <laughs> yeah, go, to tell places, me, educate me. When you go to places like Hamilton, 
Hamilton's like going to Queens. Okay. He's burying Canada. Excuse me? No, no, no. Excuse me? <laughs> we sold that Arthur Ashe. You're right. Hamilton's like going to Brooklyn. Okay. Thank you. I've no, no, no. you read yeah. okay. nights earlier. Uh, you know, I think a lot of just quick succession. And then going to Regina was a choice. Uh, I have a friend who was there and she had a great time. Like she was just excited to be there. Uh, show was fun. The people obviously had fun there, but they couldn't move tickets because Regina is not, first of all, it's not stampede country. And I know people push back on me about this. Kevin Kelly all night being like stampede country. Stampede. Like, it's the Calgary stampede. It's not stamp. It's not stampede wrestling country. Sure. That's where they used to do the loops, but Regina is not a hotbed for wrestling. It's not a hotbed for anything. Quite frankly, sorry, friends in Regina. Jeez. It's just not. so aggressive about Regina. I know. I called it Regina. I called it Regina, <laughs> Saskatchewan, and Lance Storm immediately berated me. Good on on text. He started yelling at me. He goes, "It's not Regina. It's Regina." <laughs> you thought it was Regina Specter, Regina Saskatchewan. Regina, yeah, Regina. <laughs> but anyway, I don't know. I don't know the Canadian affect. You know, but then they, so they're going to run. Uh, they're going to run Calgary this coming Saturday, and I anticipate a good turnout for that. But also, the Saddle Dome is a massive venue, and again, it is the Stampede Week. Like, you want to know how big Stampede Week is? My wife works for a Calgary nonprofit. I'm not going to dox whatever. I'm not going to say, but they closed for Stampede. Like, wow. and no, they have no association to this stuff, but they are closed for Stampede. That's yeah, that's interesting. So, so did you did you see that the walkups were a lot more for the show? Is that is that a common thing? Would you expect more walkups for the uh, for the Calgary show? I wouldn't be surprised because, like Madison Square Garden, it's a thing to do in a major city on a Saturday night. So I wouldn't be shocked. And it's also the venue is across from Hitman's Bar. So if they're smart, they'll do something as a tie-in with that bar, or they'll at least tell you like. Go to Brett's bar after the show. We'll give you a drink or do something. Just, just get people there. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if we have a few, a few walk-ups for that show. Interesting. Interesting. No, I, I, I was curious. I, it's a long trip too. You know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, I understand why they did it, but it's, I'm looking forward to them leaving your, your home country. Boy, howdy, me too. And then they come back and <laughs> go to Montreal if you're listening to Pat LaFrod. And like, Pat, but that's Pat, not part of Canada, right? They're, they're their own thing. Yeah. yeah. They, they want to leave. I get it. Yeah. Again, it's like the Florida thing with the Bugs Bunny wanting to chop it up. We want to do that to Quebec yeah. all the time. But if they go to Montreal in the middle of December when it's cold and, and icy, I don't know what wrestling companies think this is a good idea for because WWE did that with the Elimination Chamber and I cursed it the whole way through. It's, it's cold it's snowy and gross did you go yeah i was there in press it sucked for the 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 show was great the getting two places sucked because it was snowy and gross and cold yeah. so whatever yeah see see the garden for me is so convenient because penn station is underneath the garden so i'm at the garden every day there are times that i'll go to a rangers game i just go up to the bar i don't even make i i go upstairs and i go into their like vip bar area and i just have a couple of cocktails and i get back downstairs and i go on the train i don't even go in the actual building yeah you just watch the watch the game in the venue that's it also fun fact the garden is on the fifth floor of the garden i don't know if you guys know that it's not on the floor floor it's on the fifth floor everything <laughs> little fun fact here we go uh yeah. andrew thank you thank you thank you Appreciate I'll see you, you guys. Andrew, I'll be I'll be back next week or or later yeah. this week. I know you guys do this right. a couple times. I'll hijack you guys another for another twenty five minutes. He yeah. just pops in. He's never scheduled. He just shows up. No. 
Someone gave him a No, I like it. I see you guys alive. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta see Jeremy. Forget about oh, Joel. Thank you. Yeah, I'm only here for you, not him. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Goodbye, guys. Bye, Andrew. Oh, Andrew Zarian, as always, is good to us. Uh, I introduced nice. Andrew Zarian. Our next guest is here and uh, and ready to go. He's hanging out in the back, laughing and, and joking with us without being on the screen. So if you want to go ahead and, uh, and announce and bring him on, then uh, let's go. You're putting me on the spot here, Joel. Okay. From uh, really, I think Metro, people will mostly know him from. From Metro UK, he was over at WWE Money in the Bank. He does great interviews for Metro. He is Alistair McGeorge joining us. Alistair, how you doing, buddy? Not too bad. How are you both? Doing well. Doing yeah. well. Thank you for joining us uh, today. And thank you oh, for thank you. hanging out backstage as, as Andrew Zarian was giving us the layout of the garden. <laughs> I've only been, I've managed to get to go on the tour a few years ago when I did Boston and New York for St. Patrick's Day to see Dropkick Murphys. And yeah, it was great to actually walk around, but I'd love to see a show there one day, man. Same. I've done the tour too. And it's, it's actually a lot of fun. I do recommend it for anyone who's uh, just trying to kill some time in New York and looking for something fun mm. to look at. Did they give you the, the glasses, the immersive experience glasses at the time? No. So they do that and they bring you on stage, quote unquote, for one of Billy Joel's performances while he's doing Piano Man. So it's like you're on stage watching. It's really cool. Yeah. So worth the money. Anyway, uh, I guess I guess since we're talking about Madison Square Garden, you want to give us the layout of the O2 since uh, we're all. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, the Money in the Bank was the first time I've seen a sort of premium event or an actual TV tape and ended up in there. Um, And. Yeah, it seemed to go really well. The crowd was hot. It was, I think, the right size for it. I do prefer, I guess, slightly smaller shows. It's the same for gigs as well, where the noise kind of carries a lot better. And yeah, I thought it suited really well for both nights. Like I said, I don't know how it came across on TV, but it seemed electric, at least being there. Yeah, no, you can ask 100 people and they'll all give you the same answer. It was ha- it was loud, it was hot, it was good. And uh, yeah, the UK came to uh, came to have a lot of fun at those two shows. Yeah, that's it. it. The whole, like no sorry, go on, Jeremy. Oh, I was going to ask a question. You you please give the give the UK experience. It just yeah, there was a real buzz around it. Um thankfully sort of around the same I wasn't sure if it had carry as well as it did at Clash at the Castle where Cardiff is a lot smaller. Everything was about a 50-minute walk, so it felt like the entire city was there for that. Um, but thankfully, the O2 with kind of the mall sort of areas they've got around it still carried that kind of atmosphere that everywhere you were looking, especially get, heading into the arena, it was just electric. So. I want to talk about this idea of WrestleMania in London because John Cena was out there pushing this. I saw you wrote... Uh, about going to Undertaker's show, which I have questions mm. about as well. And he also was like, yeah, WrestleMania in London. Let's do this. How feasible, realistic do we think this actually is? I'd love to say amazingly. Um, it'd be great <laughs> to get one over here. Like, I, th- I do think things like Clash of the Castle and the way Money in the Bank went will have changed sort of the likelihood in terms of WWE and how they look at it. Um, Cause it's clear these things are a success and the time zones don't necessarily matter quite as much, but there is the whole thing that WWE wants to be paid for these things. And I know sort of Naren was saying it last week when you were chatting to her, it's that whether London and the UK would pay for that to come to London where they're not exactly in need of the tourism boom from it. So it's hard to say, but they, 
sort of the coverage around Money in the Bank shows that there is the interest. Obviously, the BBC did a bit of coverage on the WrestleMania rumours. Um, Damien Priest, the morning after Money in the Bank, was on a show we've got over here, Sunday brunch, sort of a lifestyle cooking kind of chat show. Um, so they were getting all sort of the mainstream coverage from it. So the appetite's clearly there. It's just, I guess it'll come down to the money, I suppose. Wait, did Damien Priest cook anything on that show? Yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately, I had a lot on this weekend. I've not seen him on it, but I know he was there, he was there sort of briefcase on the sofa, looking all chilled. And yes. <laughs> I would love to watch that go down. Him just trying to him just trying to cook. I don't even care what. Just this is how they I'm still need to do that. Like Sami Zayn is obsessed with um Great British Bake Off. I know he said in so many interviews with me how desperate he is to get on. Like they do a celebrity special once a year to raise money for sort of cancer charities. And if he's he told me he can't bake at all, but just having him on there and doing that kind of special. I know they used to do the weakest link back in the day with like Kane and his mask stood behind this podium asking pop culture questions and like stuff like that would be great. And he'd win the damn thing. <laughs> he definitely should. That's the problem with it. Uh, I wanted to I wanted to ask uh, because Naren said that uh, well while she was putting you over and Alex McCarthy, uh, did you get your own bus for the media tour? Because uh, that seemed to be a thing. Unfortunately, I didn't. That seems to be people who were doing lots of video content, and I had only decided over WrestleMania weekend this year that oh maybe I should take a tripod and have a sort of very old iPhone, which the Miz completely roasted me for while we were there getting ready for the interview, asking if my wireless mics would connect and all of this. So I think maybe Money in the Bank came too soon for me getting the bus treatment. You just got to just punch Alex McCarthy and steal his bus. It's fine. You can take McCarthy. He's, I mean, I'm not sure he's, looks... him. he's getting jacked now, though. Oh, he's so jacked. I He's got to get tested. I don't know if he's passing a USADA test, honestly. <laughs> That's what I worry about with McCarthy. You see that um, photo of him with Omos? Come on, man. Something's going he's... on. <laughs> He's jacked. It's honestly upsetting how, how how big he is and how in shape he is. I I tell people to punch him, and I'm like, you're probably I'm probably just getting you beat up, and I'm sorry for that. <laughs> that I'm trying to do that to you. We have things. We both got some of the same shirts, and the sometimes at junkets we turn up almost wearing the same thing, and it's like I will look like his ventriloquist dummy if we stand near each other <laughs> in any of the same stuff. Like it's not a good look. So I don't fancy my chances punching him in the face. American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work, the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20. Uh, the, the Undertaker's one dead man show. Tell, tell us about mm. this because it's not like recorded from what I've seen. I've never seen it. seems like it's only a live experience. And I've heard I've heard people who like really enjoy it, who are... You know, maybe ca- more casual wrestling fans haven't heard these stories mm. a million times. And then the people who have, it's like, oh, okay, you don't get like anything too new. You are deep in, in wrestling. You, you've you interviewed The Undertaker, I'm, I'm pretty sure. So like mm. you've, I'm sure you've heard maybe a lot of these stories, but like being there, what was that actual show like? I thought it was great. Like, yeah, I did interview him um, about six, seven weeks ago. And to be honest with some of the stuff I tried to get, some stories about him being in the UK and sort of asked for his wildest drunken night out away from the ring. And he was very coy on those and said, you know, you'll find out on the show. And in the end, it ended up being this story about him drinking Cypress Hill under the table, which was fantastic. And one I hadn't heard him talk too much about. So yeah, it was the actual part of the show that was him kind of going through his career and different stories was fascinating. The Q and a, 
opened with a question about Hell in a Cell, and there was just a moment of, is this next 20 minutes, whatever, going to be a complete buzzkill for me, where it's things he said so many times. But he did manage to keep it interesting. It was closer to a stand-up show than anything else. And Ed clearly, he's put a lot of thoughts into the writing of it, but interactions with the fans, there was this drunk guy kind of trying to heckle all the way through, and he just turned and absolutely hammered him. And <laughs> really sort of lots of four-letter words and said, like with a laugh, but was like, you need to shut up now. And yeah, the interaction was nice to see. It's interesting. It's a very different uh, take from others that I've heard when Taker was early in his in his show where he was still trying to get his legs under him and, and understand like what this is because it's not a 90 minute promo or a 60 minute promo. Yeah. There's a little more interaction. So it's good to see better or worse in this case uh, that he has at least some interaction with the crowd or at least engages them a little bit more by the sounds of it. Yeah, it definitely like, I wasn't sure how it would go because yeah, I'd kind of read things about it being very much a sort of not quite a spoken word show, but that kind of thing going through his career and all of that. But yeah, he did manage to, joke with the fans, like with him mentioning WrestleMania was because people started chanting about it at the beginning and he sort of took a bit of an aside and yeah, he seemed sort of quite comfortable with it. Even if he was going off on tangents, he brought it back to where he was going before and wasn't losing his place. And yeah, it seems like he's getting very confident with it. I want to get your thoughts on uh, going back to press junkets and going to these events and things. Um, I've had the experience of, of sitting in the the press conferences for, for WWE shows and an AEW show. Uh, and I was asked this question yesterday, and I want to ask this to you. How do you navigate that kayfabe vortex world of a post-show press conference, whether it's WWE, AEW, whatever it is? I try to avoid kayfabe absolutely where possible. Um, just because, and WWE know this too, or AEW, whoever you're there with, that you're there to do a job, especially with it being the Metro, which, you know, with a more mainstream outlet, it's the angle we should be going for, for the more true life stories and, you know, being sat there and, you know, in the last junket getting to, not the last junket, sorry, the press conference asking Triple H about WrestleMania, because it's the questions you should be asking about. <laughs> and he's open to that kind of thing when he's been asked about, I think it was after WrestleMania when Cody Rhodes got brought up and I think it was, you know, a discussion of how he balances, um, you know, the stories he has in his mind compared to the crowd suddenly getting behind someone. And I think that's the kind of line you have to go in. Like there's some, I think it depends what you're going for. If you're going for sort of video content, that kind of thing, playing at kayfabe will get you some good clips, especially people like Pretty Deadly, LA Knight, The Miz. But I do prefer to kind of, avoid kayfabe where possible and yeah try and get a bit more into the the people themselves very important question because joel buried everyone who wore a wrestling shirt so when <laughs> oh, we, we want to talk about etiquette like how do you feel if somebody wears like a wwe shirt as a as a member of the press or an aw shirt yeah i wouldn't want to sort of slag anyone off for what they're doing for while they're there but like me personally i prefer not to but then saying that at the junket i had a sort of designer shirt with mysterio masks on it but it wasn't quite as obvious a bold sort of wrestling t-shirt kind of thing um but it's things like for the junket um this time i had a Sami Zayn t-shirt on underneath a shirt that was buttoned up to make sure that while i was walking around afterwards and wasn't doing work i was kind of relaxed and everything but for the actual junket it was very much covered up and looking a bit more professional and 
I just think, yeah, especially if you're going to be on camera and things as well, it's important and you do want to look like a professional. But I know obviously people do want to be comfortable at these things as well. So I wouldn't want to kind of disparage anyone if they did decide to wear a wrestling t-shirt or whatever. But yeah, it's generally I try and avoid it. It's fair. Again, and it's just like you were talking about your angles for for your stories. It's everyone yeah. is approaching these things differently. And when I said it, I was more just like, I don't really, and it, this is my own bias. I don't understand why people feel the need to wear a wrestling shirt at a wrestling show when they're covering it. It's again, it's not, yeah. it's not making fun of anyone. It's not slagging anyone. It's just like, don't get it. But you know, the, the, it makes sense. <laughs> I think, I'm just yeah, trying but... to get you in trouble, Joel. I know, you know this. I know you are, but I also feel that, <laughs> and I know that our viewers are and our listeners are they understand it. But I also just I feel the need to like kind of double down, just be like, yeah, I get why we're doing this, but I also want to make it known that uh, you know there's nothing wrong with it. It's just something I I notice. Yeah, that's it. And I think there's times I've done it where if I've been at a show and there's been no kind of media duties and things, and I'm just there at the show, I've definitely worn one but if i know i'm going to be there doing interviews and chatting to these people or doing the press conferences um saying that i've just remembered i definitely was wearing an eddie guerrero t-shirt at clash in the castle which kind of undermines <laughs> everything i've just said but generally i definitely try not to i promise now who's the problem jeremy lambert <laughs> <laughs> we are- there's nothing wrong with an eddie shirt come on now like not. eddie guerrero's just universally love i know he's like mainly known for WWE and everything, but that's just universal wrestling love t-shirt. So Yeah, I think I'm doing it. I try not to wear if it's I definitely wouldn't wear one for someone I know I'm gonna be talking to that day and that kind of thing. Or sort of current roster members and like I do try and avoid it for that. You should you should have worn a Brock Lesnar shirt and then when you interview Cody Rhodes as he's up there, be like, Hey, how do you feel about Brock Lesnar and, and always attacking you and not show it? Yeah. And then just like really prominently display the shirt, puff the chest out so they can see it and everything. That's how, how you get it done. Um, I want to talk about all in, which is coming to Wembley. Are you, are you covering all in? I'm hoping to with annoyingly there's train strikes, sort of rail strikes that weekend. So I'm trying to find out how I can make it work in between shifts on the Monday morning and the Friday and that kind of thing. But I'm so, hold on specifically that weekend there are rail strikes like they're they've planned that far ahead <laughs> just plan, yeah. <laughs> they've announced them for that weekend so <laughs> they it's... know something they're wait they're angling for something good on them <laughs> and that's smart sorry continue please <laughs> yeah so that's it if i'm hoping i can find a way to make it work and get back on the sunday because i live up in manchester so few hours away a couple of hours on the train if it was running so i just need to figure that out but i'm, I'm hoping to be there like, i really don't want to miss it dude tony's gonna pay all these people just out of pocket of like we got to get these trains running this weekend we are not having no type of strike for this weekend so here we go here's here's all the cash that you need um coming to to wembley tony khan i listened to an interview today he says it's at about seventy thousand tickets sold right now mm-hmm. when this was first announced and i think they've opened it up for about eighty-eight thousand in that uh arena when this was first announced like what were your expectations and how are you feeling now with everything that has gone into this i think the day it got announced i'd have thought forty thousand would have been fantastic for them and not just for that just a wrestling show getting that many at wembley especially after how clash had done as well i thought yeah 40k would have been really strong number for AEW, but they've shown that that was massively conservative 
the appetite's clearly there. They've got the people coming over from Europe. I'm sure people are going to come from the States. And yeah, wrestling seems to be hot right now and doing very well in the UK. And it's very encouraging that they're pulling that kind of number already without announcing a match either. Is there a match that you think would start really driving those ticket sales up again? It's hard to tell. I I, I think, I, you know, confirming what Punk's going to be doing would probably help, I think. Um, unfortunately, with Danielson's injury, it's hard to know what's, if he's going to be around, but that would have been something special, announcing what he was going to be doing. I'm just not sure. It's hard because, like I say, I was expecting it to be around 40K and I was so surprised, really pleasantly, it's, so exciting to see this kind of attention being paid. But, so I'm just not sure. Yeah, it'll you, just be nice seeing the card take some shape. Well, you're over there. So let's say they announce Kenny and, and Will Ospreay 3. Is Kenny, uh, not Kenny, well, Kenny too, but is Will Ospreay in the eyes of UK wrestling fans uh, a big enough name to be facing Kenny Omega to start moving those tickets, in your opinion? I'm not sure because he does work a lot over here, which kind of... You know, that was the whole debate when it was like what British wrestlers should be on the card, you know, sort of attractions, giving sort of indie veterans the kind of chance to appear. And it's like, I assume these tickets are selling because people want to see AEW in a stadium rather than a UK show on a big scale. And obviously Will is definitely an exception to that. And he definitely deserves a spot on this card. And him and Kenny doing it there would be a fantastic get for them. Like, there's no doubt there. Is a Goldberg match going to to push this to, to 90,000? I don't know how big Goldberg is in England. We, we talked about it uh, like a month ago at this point. Like, Goldberg really hadn't worked a whole lot in England. He did that one tour with WCW, but this was, of course, two decades ago, almost three decades ago um, at this point. But, like, is a Goldberg match big enough? Sting said he's not going to retire at Wembley. He mm -hmm. said he's still got a little bit left, but... Yeah, Goldberg, is he, gotta is go he to, selling out this building? Things got to go to Israel after that. Yeah, <laughs> true. Very true. <laughs> Goldberg, I think he could be. Because um, even when he was in WWE, the word sort of the evidence was there about him sort of popping ratings when he came back. Like it was shown that he was still a draw. Um, I think, yeah, I don't want to say casual fans, but you think you'd get people who necessarily weren't aware of AEW wanting to come and see him potentially. It's. I guess it depends what you do with him, who you'd have him against, whether it'd be trying to build up sort of some like powerhouse Hobbs, someone like that, or whether you'd go, you know, the Sting match and try and get that kind of attention for it. Um, but from what Tony said, he's talked to him. So it seems, you know, it's not an impossibility. Before I let you go, Alistair, I want to get just your overall thoughts on the, the bloodline angle because at uh, Money in the Bank, it was, you know, Jay pinning Roman. Then we had the fallout from from that on, on SmackDown with the long segment, uh, the 40-minute segment to, to open up SmackDown. As someone who has covered this and has paid attention to, to all of this since, since it started, like what are just your overall thoughts on the bloodline angle? Yeah, I'm, I'm still loving it, even though it was sort of 1 a.m. our time on Friday night. I was still really excited and engaged by it, sort of even with it taking up as much of the show as it did. It didn't feel that long to me watching it. And I think the interesting thing is what they're showing now with everything they're doing with Jay, with Rome, and the way everything has kind of come full circle is that there was definitely stubbornness, I think, with not putting the belt on Sammy or Cody. 
but it seems like maybe it was the right choice when you got kind of that reaction to Roman finally being pinned by Jay to really, like I say, bring everything full circle. Like, it seems a bit more poetic and a bit more rewarding that you are going back to that from a few years ago. So I think they're still hitting the right notes for me, at least. This is my last question for you. Are you, are you a musician? Am I seeing this right? <laughs> yeah, I've not been able to do as much of it for a while. I um, I did it a lot before I started doing wrestling more as a job and covering that and suddenly going a bit deeper, but was also in a very loving relationship the last few years. And it turns out all I can really write are very sad songs. So <laughs> there's not really been the inspiration there, but I'm trying to get back into it. A couple of bits coming up over summer, hopefully, and yeah, enjoying it still. So what, what, that that's the, your 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 bread and butter was like acoustic style, uh, like coffee house sad songs. Like, well, I try to go the kind of pop punk, ska punk route of really mm-hmm. depressing lyrics, but hopefully quite catchy still, and kind of masked that bit while I'm playing it. But um, gotcha. Yeah, had a lot of fun with it, and still hoping to do bits. I think now that this is sort of the day to day. I can enjoy the music more without thinking maybe I should try and pursue it, which definitely years and years ago before COVID I was thinking about, but now it's, I'm just trying to find time for it to be a really fun hobby again, really. I I, I love hearing you say that because I've been kind of struggling to get back into music myself. I was, uh, I was mm-hmm. touring and I was doing all that going into the pandemic uh-huh. and then pandemic shut everything down. I was literally on the road and I haven't done much either. So actually hearing that, the idea of just like enjoying it again is something I'm trying to wrap my head around. I'm glad I'm not alone. So thank you. Yeah, that's it. It's come like just doing little bits of open mics and my partner, she's a musician too, much, much better than I am. Um, And doing little bits of shows together and things. It's just been fun getting back into that. And yeah, like I say, just the thrill of it again. That's amazing. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad that you two are also able to like musically collaborate and and do your thing. It's fun. Yeah. And I've, just about managed to get her into wrestling as well. So it's all it's a weird thing when you bring your partner into that world. I, it, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, I massively sold it wrong. Like I tried to pitch it as sort of the theater and the drama. I was like, here's Gargano and Champa. It's been going on for years. Here's here's what the oh, you know spitting so on the wedding man. ring. And it was terrible. She went she watched the first WrestleMania in a bar, I think it was Mania 35, which was not the best one for her to have to sit through eight hours of this at finishing at five, six in the morning. But from the beginning, she sort of looked at it and said, why didn't you just tell me it was drag race with fighting? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah. She's like, I've <laughs> been all for it. And yeah, so I picked it wrong, but thankfully she's managed to get into it with people like Pretty Deadly, Bianca, all those kinds. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Alistair, thank you, so thank you so much for joining us, Alistair. That was fantastic. <laughs> no, thanks, thanks man. No, great. It's been good to sort of meet you both and, yeah, hopefully come on again soon. Cheers. Let everyone know where, where they can find you at before we, we let you go. Yeah, um, Alistair McGee on Twitter um, and then metro.co.uk, I think it's slash tag slash WWE has all the wrestling content there. Um, yeah, I've got more stuff dropping from Money in the Bank, hopefully very soon and another piece to come from the undertaker that i held back from the paper chatting about bray wyatt which hopefully people will enjoy so yeah all of that fun stuff wonderful I, 
I have finally learned how to spell your name correctly uh, when I write articles because I, I know I've tweeted this, but like I always typed Alistair McGregor because I was typing Conor McGregor so much. I would always just do Alistair McGregor and I'd catch it. I'd know I'd do it like, oh, here comes the mistake and like I'd fix it. But now I'm not typing that guy's name as much anymore because it just doesn't do anything. So I've, I've, uh, I, I get McGeorge on the first type now and I'm very proud of myself. But so that's name, impressive. Yeah. <laughs> your name was one that I'd always just get wrong, even though I had to type, I typed it so much because you do a lot of fantastic interviews. Like I, no, thank you. we cover your stuff a lot because like you get good answers out of these people. So if you've not checked out Alistair's uh, work, you should do that. I appreciate that. Thanks very much, man. Thank you, Alistair. Enjoy the rest of your day, buddy. Cheers. Take care. Sure. Alistair McGeorge, everyone from Metro UK, go check out all of his work. Again, does uh, really great interviews over there. So he he's fantastic, and we're glad he he was able to join us on the show this morning. Yeah, there's definitely there's a lot to talk about when it comes to wrestling in the UK and everything that's going on. You know, we had Naren last week, and and she was right off the heels of Money in the Bank, and had plenty to talk about with her experience. And bringing on Alistair kind of adds to that. What the stuff that we didn't get a chance to talk about, whether that was the the Undertaker's uh, one-man show or if that was all in and what's going to drive more ticket sales, the WrestleMania fallout conversation. Uh, there, there was definitely a lot there. So we appreciate Alistair coming to join us and have a really lovely chat. It was good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alistair, again, everyone go check out check out his work because uh does does just great interviews and does great work. And I mean, we talk we've been talking a little bit of bloodline, Joel, but we you gave some of your thoughts um with with, with Zarian and just kind of the overall segment and just more the length and like did it need to run that long and was it engaging for that long? But like let's talk a little bit about the the content of this segment of the the trial of roman reigns i'm not gonna beat for beat recap it but they basically showed roman gaslighting for three years now and then roman continued that by fake giving up the the lay and then hitting jay in the dick um and then they put the beat down on jimmy sent him to the hospital we had the moment with solo where he was hesitant to give the lay back to roman and then at the end, we had the big challenge with Jay returning and challenging Roman. What were your thoughts on the content of the segment, Joel? You know what I really loved in this segment, almost above everything else? It was this, the little, little part of, of Solo. Just that little. Paul Heyman says, you know, the tribal, the tribal chief, sorry, my, my words are all messed up. Tribal chief speaks to to one through one man or speaks to one man and then you just have solo reach over cup the mic and just throw it he didn't say a damn word but you knew exactly what was going on and the crowd reacted just beautifully to that i love that because i've said it here and said it there said it everywhere the next chapters include solo sokoa and how you tell his story the stuff with jay and Roman, and especially Roman getting down on his knee and forcing that crocodile tear. By the way, peek behind the curtain. I had no idea what to call the thumbnail for that particular part of the image. I was like, do I call it crocodile tears? Do I call it like the mistrial? I was like, do I call it the trial of tears? And I realized, no, absolutely can't call it that because there's a whole history of that. I, I, I forget what I, I think I called it the tearful trial because he got, he got on his knee and he forced that tear and he did such a good job with it. That's um, 
I I was I was bought into it. I knew where it was going. I think everyone kind of knew where it was going. But man, when he when he just hit his cousin in the dick, <laughs> not to belittle it, uh, that was that was the start of a really good beatdown. And I really I really liked what they did. And then bringing Jay out at the end of the night, being like he made it back. He's gonna you know he's gonna speak, and he comes down through the crowd. That's a baby face material. That's B gaslighting your cousin because that's exactly what roman used to do was walk through the crowd and you know that's a good callback to like i'm the guy now not you and uh challenge roman for SummerSlam. i really i enjoyed just the arc of it uh that's yeah that but it started with solo and solo was just masterful in that little two minutes we talk about maximizing your minutes in wrestling especially on tv he did it he accomplished that I, I thought Solo was fantastic in this. And, you know, I've been a little down on, on Solo, largely more kind of in ring, more than like his acting, his Emmy award winning acting and everything. Cause he's always added to segments with just like little nods, little looks, little facial expressions. He hasn't had to do a whole lot of talking. So he's been carried elsewhere by that. And I still think we're going to need to see a little bit more out of him unless. Heyman does fully align with him and then Heyman can do all the talking for him and he can just be quiet killer, almost like uh, a Yumaga um, with our Armando Alejandro Estrada. It's kind of being that mouthpiece for him and he just goes around destroying everybody. I thought Solo was really good and the Roman stuff was was honestly fantastic to me. This dude is so like, he's a complete gaslighter, right? complete get he's so good at it and i don't know if this is like great praise but like he's so so good at it the video package they showed i was like i was i was popping during this video package because he's he's tremendous just like i run this the little facial ticks what did everyone pointed out but like that that promo after it's not even a promo, but like after he does the Logan Paul thing and he's walking up the ramp and he's like, I'm here. I'm the one. Everybody's got to cut. Like, oh, it's just so good when he looks into the camera and just like puts himself over on this stuff. And then when he is like, that ain't me. That's not me, guys. Like, that's who I gotta be for this. And like, you know, it's like his truth, which is why like it re- it resonates sometimes but like it hits with a lot of people because it is his truth on this right is when he was like i've been to the wrestlemania main event i was a main event wrestlemania before all of this i didn't need any of this like i was fine i did this for you guys for the family for everybody do you know how much pressure that is Oh, it it was it was hitting with me. I gotta say, I gotta say, it was working. And then the turn, the turn, if you want to call it that, uh, the the fake out. I think we all knew that was coming and everything. I like the beat down. I like that they they just completely wiped out Jimmy Jay coming back to to make the challenge and everything. I thought it was good. It was a good bookend, and I know it was long and stuff. But like Zarian was saying, like the crowd was engaged that entire time. And look, the rating. I mean, we don't want to talk too much about ratings on this, but like you look at that first hour compared to that second hour when people thought like bloodline stuff was over. It it tells a story. It, it te- and they were smart to put that in the first hour, by the way. I do think uh, Victor Wimbenyana, his first summer league game was also on Friday. That started at nine. It started a little bit later because of uh, the first game was 
marred by reviews and everything. But I think they kind of knew like, yeah, people might be flipping over to that uh, at nine o'clock. So let's go ahead and do a long bloodline segment and go on from there. I thought it was a great segment. Again, these guys, they're knocking out of the park with their, their acting and their cinema uh, when, when it comes to this stuff. I mean, I agree. And I'm not about to like be like, but oh, you're about to be a hater. No, I'm actually not. I, I was I was trying to put my, my thoughts back in order. I don't know why I'm, I'm all over the place today. I need to take my non-existent Ritalin or something. <laughs> I, don't, and I, don't, I don't run with that issue. But uh, I... I think it, I'm actually just trying to put my thoughts back together from what you were saying. Number one, uh, the gaslighting thing is exactly what you and I talked about for the entirety of last week, how this whole thing plays out, this trial thing. Um, and then, and it's exactly what Roman did. He gaslit his way through it and basically declared a mistrial on himself and beat the crap <laughs> out, of the, out of the jury and executioner, uh, which is fine. It was good. Uh, the J J story has always been, and I, I love that this has never really wavered. Jay is so bought in to what Roman is saying on its surface. It's always been about the family. It's never been about him specifically. He's always wanted to do things to benefit the family, whereas Roman's benefit to the family was gaslighting his family into doing his bidding. And I love that that's never strayed from Jay's story. Everything he's done has been for true. Everything he's done has been to be an actual benefit and beneficiary of his family. As a result, the story just makes that much more sense to me. So I, I enjoy where this is going. And I enjoy that there are little things you can pick out that continue to make this entertaining. And it's not, it's not dead to me yet, the story. You know, I, I understand some people are getting a little fatigued. I get it. I do. It, it's long form storytelling, not long term, but long form doesn't hit with everyone, but that's fine. It's the same thing talking about the LA night thing that we, we mentioned at the top of the show and my feelings towards it are different from the way others might feel that you should have struck while the iron was hot and brought him out. But to me, again, it was with LA night, bringing them in, bringing them out for that show wouldn't have hit the same way uh, when you had that bloodline segment and the big story being setting. Uh, to both entertain me and engage me. And it's not always going to be a hundred percent, but uh, this, this week definitely had my attention, which not every wrestling show or story does. So it was, it was really good. Solid stuff. I think everybody's doing a, a great job on it and like if you want to look at this in terms of like seasons we're about to get a season finale at at SummerSlam with jay and roman it it feels like we're going to see a season finale there and then what's going to be the next season of reggie's going to really yell at yell at us uh for this but cinema's like a movie i'm talking tv show here i think that's where people are missing the boat this ain't a movie this is a a television show because it's weekly episodic longest running television show right like i don't need if this is a movie i'm i'm checked out on it by this point because i i like my movies at 90 minutes unless it's fast and furious the only movies i watch anyway uh but i I like my movies a little bit shorter but we're we're talking television here we just had kind of a a season finale at, at wrestlemania at least for like the usos uh point of it 
now we're getting to a Roman season finale at, at SummerSlam. And then what's going to be that the next sort of season? I think it's going to be like the solo story for the next season. Because we've seen hints, threads of it throughout. And now I think that's going to really be elevated uh, for the next again. I'm using using seasons here for the next kind of big story is going to be that Jimmy will be involved. They, they got to do a Jimmy Roman match. They, they just have to, they have not done that. That is, I don't want to say like, it's something just in their chamber that everybody's clamoring for type of thing, obviously because of who's involved, it's big enough to, to headline one of these PLEs coming up uh, past SummerSlam. I mean, it does, it does happen. It should happen. Uh, the idea that it needs to main event the show i don't think it needs to be i don't think it needs to go on last it's unless the story to, is so good i and i understand that but if you again circumstances can dictate you put a you put a match on earlier because maybe something bigger is happening on another channel later in the night whatever it is you can do one of those like oh it's triple main event so in november when wwe is you know reportedly going back to saudi arabia you can do a roman versus jimmy match which honestly i wouldn't be surprised they do it because they've already they don't they don't have to sell tickets to that show they just have to put it on and that's not and that's not even them putting it aside that's just them putting it on one of those shows knowing that like it's going to do fine people are going to be invested in roman reigns this morning i am invested in ihop because i got some eggs We've getting cheesy eggs? Uh, yeah, I got some cheese added to them today. I like good cheesy eggs. That's yeah, good stuff. Like Back that. in the day when I was poor, I used to make them all the time. So, <laughs> were you using it's like a reminder of simpler times? <laughs> did, you, did you have uh, syrup sandwiches? Back in the day, too, Sean. And crime allowances. And crime allowances. Yeah, I stayed humble and yeah, I, I remained humble. humble. Yeah. 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 What's up, guys? How you doing? How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, our our YouTube numbers are moving. It makes me happy. Uh, we're about ninety six thousand YouTube subscribers. I want to get to that that hundred k really bad. I'm not even going to plug Fightful Select here. I'm just really happy with that's going. I'm filming a new short series today. Real Boy. fights in pro wrestling. Very excited oh. to to tell you guys about squirrels up sid's pants and him stabbing people like you know just normal shit about how how bill goldberg threw evan courageous across a, a hallway because evan courageous wouldn't shake his hand because he was playing with his balls before i remember a variation on that story thank you i i uh we had the the shane helms podcast and we did a poll all the time like what do you want the topic to be and people said backstage fights and he's like, listen, man, I'm not going to bury anybody here. These are my guys. And I was like, yeah, 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 I get it. And like some of these stories were just so ridiculous that he had to share them. And uh, so I have I have a lot of unique insight to these. So these will be fun. They'll be like less than a minute. But um, yeah, we'll have them on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and Facebook and probably threads and Twitter as well. But yeah. Will you call them real R-E-E-L backstage fights? Yeah, I will now. <laughs> That's good stuff. Joel, you gotta you gotta get this on the copyright of the trademark before you just hand yeah. it over. That's fine. It's a fightful property, and we're talking about it on a fightful property. So clearly, we're doing something right. Yeah. Yep. 
Oh man. Why does uh, it get awkwardly silent when I show up here? What's going on? Well, you know, it, it, I'm just it, waiting to get fired usually. Yeah. Well, definitely, <laughs> definitely not after this weekend. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes. This weekend was, was a lot, uh, uh because you know just it gotta do gotta do what i gotta do i gotta make sure you don't go rogue at smackdown this week first i'm gonna jump the rail and give me some event footage that that somebody will steal on on youtube i i looked somebody had three million views off our videos i was i was pretty pissed off about that i bet i'll record some some stuff i have no idea what uh, i'm going with my mom i'm taking my mom to smackdown this this friday so i want her nice. commentary over stuff i was actually I, say, you get can you get a little bit of like if she's comfortable doing that because that'd be fun be great so rules. what what's actually going i haven't pitched this to her yet she's i don't know if she's actually gonna do this uh but monday my mom We'll be joining in the weeds to review SmackDown. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the best guest we've ever had. Finally, some real live. My mom will give her live review of SmackDown next Monday. On She's Indy. such a wonderful woman. <laughs> oh my god, love her bits. That's amazing. <laughs> That's the best news we can get. <laughs> I don't think my I mom's. I don't think my mom's been to a wrestling show since like 2014 maybe okay. 2013 was the last Your time mom is going to be the ellie de la cruz of fightful i'm so excited oh oh man what a gem that man is what a gem he is i was i tuned into the game like 10 minutes before he did what he did just the most insane thing i've seen in a baseball game he's he's so much fun so much fun i just see the the clips on twitter all the time and i've been watching a lot more because of him it's just the team is good of course so the team's good i'll i'll actually tune in and, and watch i this stuff i find time to fire up my nord vpn and watch some baseball since they make it very difficult to watch baseball these days they do um they really do but it's great somebody says his cholesterol level must be sky high probably about four days a week i'll eat eggs Usually it's egg whites, so. Egg whites. Sorry, that's a bit from another show. <laughs> there are other shows. Believe it or not, <laughs> there are one or two other shows. Uh, hey, <laughs> since we're all here, I just wanna I wanna put it out there because we all we all like this dude. I I wanna fight him, but uh, Steve Macklin uh, injured. Just wanna send well, uh, send some love to him because he's he's been, listen bits aside he's always been a really great dude to us and, and given us his time and uh yeah it, it sucks that he cannot compete at slammiversary they're going to announce their replacement soon uh, on another show i know there are other shows i guess somewhere out there but uh yeah we we send our we send our love and, and some healing to uh to macklin he, sp- he told me he's supposed to find out a little bit more today um i can say this guys like i can count on one hand the number of people that I have learned like as much about wrestling from than a guy like Steve Macklin, like just hearing his thoughts and all that stuff. He's going to make a fantastic producer agent coach one day as well. In addition to this great career that he's having Uh, just a wonderful guy. I mean, it's probably a good thing that he's not wrestling because he would have been wrestling like by himself anyway, because bully Ray thinks that only losers do wrestling stuff on Saturday nights. Yeah, was Bully Ray even going to show up? To he's not going to show up. Dude, <laughs> listen, the dude also has probably got a warrant out after he set PCO on fire this past Thursday. <laughs> he's going to be going to watch that Jennifer Lawrence rom-com or whatever instead. <laughs> like, he's got shit to do, man. He can't be doing wrestling stuff on a Saturday. 
He's a busy guy. He's going to take himself out of the match and be like, you know what, PCO, Scott, you guys, we forfeit. We, I'm going to go out on the town. I'm going to enjoy the Windsor nightlife, and that's it. He's going to open up the briefcase, and it's going to be like the Dumb and Dumber IOUs. I'm like, sorry, I cannot compete tonight. It is a Saturday. Man. Is Devon going to be his partner? This is what I've... No. I've theorized it's not Devon. No, he's he's basically done, isn't Devon? He can't, he can't wrestle. Yeah, oh, he, he, he said he could do like a rumble spot. I feel like he could just like, did he? Do, yeah, he said he said he could do potentially do like a rumble return. I, I feel would, like he can do I a spot. Walking brawl, but like, do you realize how close we are to the possibility of having like TLC four? Yeah, like nah, if that's not happening, if Edge were to just be like, <laughs> let me go over and do this. Edge and Christian, the Hardys, and Bully Ray. And listen, I would be like, go ahead and find Spike. Where's Spike at? He can do it. Let's get him involved. Or you could have, like, Big Bill Dudley. Big Bill Dudley. He would love that. By the way, how much of a hit are Big Bill and Cage? Who expected that to happen? That is insane. You got two big dudes like that, you're gonna get it. You're gonna get a good review. They were pumped to be teaming together, like you could see it. So, a little, little backstage news here. There were a lot of people that were like, Man, how's this gonna work out? How's this gonna work out? And then afterwards, they were like, eh, It's worked out pretty damn good. We should probably keep them together for a while. I don't know what that means for Lee Moriarty, if that will happen, but I think a lot of people see the potential in a big Bill Brian Cage thing now. And I mean, it's one of those things. I saw somebody say, I don't like Brian Cage. Big Bill is okay, but together I love them. I was like, all right, that's what you do. The BBC, right? Oh, yeah, no, I get it. Why did did you just get silent? Is that that not what they call themselves? Uh, Yeah. Remember the Big Bang Catastrophe? It's what people called that (laughs) movie. No one ever questioned that either. <laughs> That's what they should be called. Oh God, I don't know. Do you why. remember the uh, Melissa Santos Brian Cage headline? Yeah, he's got a yummy penis. Yummy looking. Yummy looking. Yummy looking. Or great looking yummy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> that was even before Jeremy was here. Yeah. All I, my favorite Mel Santos moment forever is going back to Impact, her hosting the Twitch stream. And every time they went to commercial, it would be her like eating dinner and just talking to people in the chat. And it would be the (laughs) weirdest. And this was before, and Cage was gone from Impact. He was already on his way to AEW or something. Like basically he could not appear on camera for whatever reason, or he just didn't. So it would just be her talking to him, him off camera, just shouting things so people could hear. Oh, and she just had a phone like on a tripod, just, just right there. It was... Oh, just fantastic stuff. I love isn't it. that what isn't that what WWE does with their raw second screen experience? Joel, you check in on that every <laughs> week for some reason. Every every week in the first hour, I'm just like, let's check in on the on the raw Twitch stream podcast, whatever the hell they're doing. No change. And the audio's too low. It's just Drew Gulak, Ryan Popola, and Megan Morant. Sometimes she's there, sometimes she's not. They're just sitting there just shitty chatting. Man, you need to talk. Well, to now that we're talking about the second screen experience, I'm going to leave. Bye, Sean. Thanks so for long, Sean. Bye. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's that's what this show is. Uh, 
Darian just runs in whenever he wants. Sean just runs in whenever he wants. Anybody else just want to come on this yeah, show? I, I see Kate's in the chat. I was just like Kate come in. No. Jensen, Jensen want to come in? Just, wanna, just Jensen's got a real job, unlike us losers. He blow off his real job. He, nah. he, for us, probably not, actually. I gave him props this morning. I listened to The Weekender, and I had a good laugh because he was uh, he was giving the results for the GCW Backyard Show, and he was just having a ball. Like, he was laughing about some of these results. And then he goes into, like, this whole weird, funny stream of consciousness conversation about, like, Chuck E. Cheese and ball pits, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> and I'm like, God bless this man. He's just the best. <laughs> did he Did he put over Pete's Cat Jr.? I mean, he mentioned Pizza Cat Jr. having the match. Oh, Pizza Cat Jr. is is going to be the biggest star of all time, I believe. I agree. I, I, I've heard some good things. You know, the original Pizza Cat is uh, also having matches on TV, I guess. <laughs> okay. You think she's Do you want to elaborate? Do you want to expand? The original Pizza Cat is a little-known green-haired wrestler currently in WWE. Oh, little-known. Little known. Yes, oh. who may be getting a haircut in the next? Tegan week. Knox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rainbow-haired pizza cat. She's got green hair. She has green in her hair. Green she? In hair. Yeah, it doesn't look yeah. as good as the green, green-haired wrestler who's there. Uh, I have one of her t-shirts. Very sweet. Uh, you very have a Tegan Knox t-shirt. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I don't. Oh. Tegan, the next question was: Tegan Knox has a t-shirt, a non-NXT <laughs> oh. one. She had an NXT one. I know that. Oh. I know. I hope we get it. We run. We we do run a sloppy shop. Cyclops better than Wolverine. He gets it. Nah, you know what can you do? Our show is, our show. It's a it's a varietyist show. You know, like yeah. what can you do? I literally last week I did. It was supposed to take place on this show, but we had to just move some scheduling stuff around. I literally did an Oreo eating contest last week. All right, folks, this ain't this ain't the most professional show in the world. We're <laughs> Pete and I had a good laugh about this last night when we were talking about Eddie Kingston winning the uh, the strong openweight championship and how we did it on this show. And people in the chat were like, "Spoilers, bro!" And we were like, "You're." Kate was like, "You're watching a morning wrestling show. Yeah. Know that this our event already happens. Like, don't give us this spoiler <laughs> shit." <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, speaking of, uh, I guess Eddie Kingston, and, and we'll move over to AEW. I guess from uh, from Saturday. Let's talk about Collision. Let's talk about Punk and Joe. Uh, match, uh, what do you think? This was a, a strong match. Was it, did it live up to expectations, I guess, is the first question I have for you. Yes, because my expectations were not, I think, what everyone else was. I think I said it on this show or, or I said it on Spotlight. It's like, you know, all their other matches, two in an hour. The other one was like a half hour. I was like, I think this is going to be more in like the 15 to 20 minute range because let's face it these guys are 20 years older than they were uh 20 years ago so they are older this is punk working a a singles match which he'd only had the one against kojima at forbidden door and even the the singles matches he was working beforehand were kind of of the the shorter variety like i think people were surprised to hear that moxley and punk was less than 20 minutes and i know punk got injured in that match but i don't think that was cut short for for any reason on that you know the kojima match was was 13 minutes i was like i think this is gonna go between 15 and 20 minutes and according to cage match it was 15 33 i did not think we were gonna get this long battle between these two men and it's a television show 
right? Like you're just not going to do, and they'd already announced Starks and Hobbs prior to everything. They'd announced um, Willow and Athena. They had the tag team title match, which I think, I think many people figured was going to go pretty long. So it was just, it was never going to be like this 30 minute epic. I mean, that's what the tag team title match was. That was nearly 30 minutes. Uh, So my expectations were like, I expect them to have a good match that'll give people a lot of feelings for nostalgia in 2023. And that's what it was. I thought it was good. I I thought for two decades later, it was a a worthy match for these two, but I was not expecting this. Like this is going to be uh, a defining match in their trilogy. No, the trilogy is the trilogy. This is episode six what no six six was is episode seven whatever the star wars nerds i was waiting for you to either figure out which star wars or come up with a different number <laughs> we figured out something uh i largely agree with you by the way they, they felt like this match was going to be a um greatest hits hit those big moments and and there's nothing wrong with that play to the nostalgia play to just the the feelings that were coming into punk versus joe uh i I can't. I, I was a. I was a little surprised to see the finish. Uh, the the post match, I should say, where Joe uh, choked out Punk. I'm of two mindsets. One is you can run this back, do it again, and I'm sure that both men would love to do that. There's clearly a, an immense respect and love for each other in that ring. Uh, and the other thing is, I the, the MJF connection might still exist. And I know I, I keep bringing this home, but like I. Why not continue that idea that Max paid off Joe, then he would go after CM Punk? Because Punk is another guy who wants MJF and wants his title. So uh, there's there's a little extra piece there. And if Joe becomes the mercenary who tries to take out Punk, then uh, you're, you're hitting another match opportunity that uh, you didn't necessarily have before. Two points. One, what if Samoa Joe just an asshole and he's just like beating people up? Uh-huh. 100%. 100%. <laughs> Two, the Samoa Joe MJF connection makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure other people smarter than me have pointed this out. But like, what's MJF's most famous scene in WWE? Work in security for Samoa Joe. So to pull this all back around of MJF is now basically Samoa Joe's work in security him he's the mercenary for him because now he's the big money guy and he can pay joe off to do all of this stuff so um yeah i it makes a lot of sense to to why you would tie all of this together i didn't even think about that i haven't been thinking heavily about that nxt tie-in i love it i do and again this is the this is one of those things where it exists it's not important but it can play into the larger world of this story and it and it would be more fun that way uh so going back to the match itself it was a means to an end you had the feeling it was going to be punk going to the finals it's now going to be cm punk versus ricky starks uh i you know a toot toot i called that from the get-go when the brackets came out uh women's side i i had a little bit more trouble with uh, i am hoping that willow was cleared by wednesday because i'm assuming rampage is not live on friday it's going to be taped but yeah. uh assuming it is i hope she's okay you know uh, some people were saying she got a bell rung when she was in japan at that match against julia um 
and again, hopefully she's fine. She did on camera uh, and Athena kind of talked some trash, which was nice. So it looks like they're optimistic that Willow and Athena can happen uh, in time for Friday's Rampage uh, show. And then it, it sucks that like there's, they, they need to do this wrap up. They need to wrap up this tournament by Saturday because it kind of forces people's hands to like either be better or be replaced. And that, that part kind of sucks. But again, that's what happens in tournament play and any legitimate sport too. If you can't go, you're out, you know, you're either replaced or you do not finish whatever it is. Uh, so there's a little bit of like legitimacy to that, which I appreciate. So Punk versus Starks is next. And what do you think? What are we going to do? How does it play out? I think Ricky should win will ricky win i don't know we had the little bit of the tease um at the end of the show because ftr came down to make the save and ricky was just kind of top of the ramp and they gave him the weird look i'm like they gotta respect they were already out there joe was gone what's ricky running all high speed for he doesn't need to come down there he's got to face this man like they gotta respect that as uh people who love the competition um I think Ricky should win. And then I would I would have Punk just kind of probably beat him up afterwards, honestly. And then we get an actual feud between these two. And then if Punk wins the overall feud, fine, as long as Ricky gets elevated off of it and they have a follow-up plan for Ricky off of this. Because this is, I'm a switch over, switch kind of jump to WWE here for a second, is the Edge and, and Grayson Waller stuff is like, like, the match was good. Um, you know, Edge won, which is fine. But then Edge was like, you swam, like gave Grayson Waller the endorsement. It's like, oh, Grayson Waller gained something out of that. Yeah, you can gain something off of a loss if you get put over. More than you can gain something off of a win. Look what happened with Action Andretti and Chris Jericho. Like, Action Andretti won that match, but like, what what's he doing? <laughs> he just lost to Scorpio Sky on Saturday you don't have to win these matches against legends. If you get put over after them in the, um, in the aftermath, what does have to happen though, is there has to be a follow-up to this stuff. And that's the biggest thing. So on the, on the subject of Waller and punk, yeah, it was fine that Waller lost and got put over. Okay. What's the follow-up? What's he going to do now with Ricky and punk? If they do go with this feud, if Ricky wins, if Ricky loses to me, doesn't matter being in the ring with CM Punk is good. He's going to have a good match. CM Punk, I think he wants to elevate new people. I think he, he, based on all he said publicly, he knows people need to get elevated. Ricky has made it public. He wanted to work with Punk and everything. Win or lose for Ricky, what happens next is what's going to matter. And can you maintain that elevation on this? Because if he just beats Punk, does a feud, loses to Punk, is facing action and dready like it doesn't do a whole lot for Ricky. If he wins and then he moves on, if he beats Punk in a feud, uh, if they do end up feuding, or if he loses the Punk in in the own tournament, what what happens next is what's going to matter more than this actual feud with CM Punk. These feuds are great for these guys. It does elevate them in that moment. It's all about the actual follow-up of what you're going to do to keep them to keep that momentum going because a lot of times they get it they get do the moment and then where do they go from there the legend stays elevated the guy they're supposedly elevating then go anywhere goes down yeah and i would love to see if punk does beat starks 
I want to see the finish be a little tainted and they, they run it back. And I want to see, I want to see Starks ultimately win, but also I don't necessarily believe that punk would drop the fall to Starks that quickly. Punk hasn't dropped a, a match yet. And is that a, let me preface this with saying in the eyes of the longer term storytelling in AEW, is that fall big enough to happen for Starks? Is Starks important enough in the AEW atmosphere to eat or to, to gain that first victory on CM Punk as he's back? I mean, he hasn't been, Punk hasn't been back that long. You know, it's only it's it'll be less than a month by the time this match rolls around because he returned on june 17th it's not like punk hasn't lost he lost to mjf on television he lost to, to moxley and a squash faction they're very selective of who he loses to and understandably so like you don't want to just beat these guys over and over again i get what you're saying though of like okay is ricky going to be that guy to beat him they gotta think long term on this stuff and i think AEW does a good job. Like, look who is in these positions and who they're they're trying to elevate and stuff. I mean, MJF's their world champion, and MJF is still in his mid twenties. So, like, they they do have a long term thinking. And Ricky's even. It's not like he's he's like our age. He's like thirty three, thirty two, something like that. So, but in wrestling years, he's he's still relatively young. CM Punk ain't gonna be around forever. You can win or lose. You can get something. Ricky can gain something from this. If the follow-up is good, if the follow-up's not good, it doesn't matter because Wardlow and MJF, MJF lost the CM Punk feud in the dog collar match, right? But then he went right into a feud with Wardlow, which was really hot. That was a hot feud. Wardlow won that feud. What's happened since then for that guy? The problem was at the time, what was going on backstage? That's what really messed up the Wardlow push it was all about satiating MJF backstage. And this is not a knock on MJF at the time. It was just, you know, all the conversation about what was happening backstage at Double or Nothing, the plane ticket saga, yada, yada. Then the promo that MJF would go on to cut after Double or Nothing. Wardlow won that war and he deserved a lot more than what was given to him because what was given to him was, was shit. What did they do? They had him beat up 20 security guards the next night. And that was like, look how powerful he is. It's like, well, no, I, we know about this. We know how powerful he is. We've watched him tear through different competition sizes, shapes, and everything. Why isn't he getting a leveled up opponent as his first challenger? Why isn't he getting a legitimate first challenger and not Mark Sterling sending 20 guys after him? It was bungled from the start. And, that, and, and it was mixed with the Max thing. I think whatever stories they had suddenly got flushed down the toilet and that kind of messed up Wardlow's booking, which on, which is super unfortunate for multiple reasons, including he's really good Wardlow. He's really just like a, a guy that people want to see succeed, not just in wrestling, but also on camera. He, he has that, that going for him. Uh, and he, he's, yeah, he's, he's got it, but he hasn't been able to, to recuperate. He hasn't been able to get back into it. So that's that's kind of the the weird thing about the Wardlow saga is is how it all kind of played out around him. He he was just the the beneficiary of shit in that whole sandwich. And, and yes, MJF the backstage stuff certainly didn't help him. There was still that TNT title stuff. Did they could have salvaged some things there, and they salvaged nothing off of that. Like they they didn't do him any favors with that stuff. Um, but my overall point is. 
what's the follow-up on this? And and that's what you have to, to be thinking of in this because it's very easy to book kind of feuds, matches that on paper elevate a, a younger, newer talent. It's, very, it's easy to just put, again, Chris Jericho, Ricky Starks. Hey, this will elevate Ricky. CM Punk, Ricky Starks. Hey, this will elevate Ricky. It's very easy to, to book that portion of it. It's tougher to book what actually comes after that. And, and that's where you, you just got to, you got to put some thought into it. Yeah. And, and again, that, that's where we go back to the Stark story is that there have been opportunities to elevate him after the Jericho stuff didn't happen. This is the first potential opportunity for the booking to go in Starks's direction, even in a loss. If he has the loss, let's say he loses clean, CM Punk beats him, wins that trophy, wins that title, and he lifts it up, and he shakes Ricky Starks' hands, put, puts him over in a promo afterwards, that did, still does something for Ricky Starks. Similarly, we you know, talk about what happened on SmackDown. Yeah, Grayson Waller lost that match, but what did Edge do? Got on the mic, said very simply, you can swim. And that is an endorsement from a star that could happen for Ricky Starks, which hopefully would catapult him to another level. And that's what I personally would like to see because to me, it just feels like this is the CM Bunk trophy and that's, that's it. <laughs> I mean, Punk came out and I assume that promo he cut was because they had to, Athena and Willow were scheduled to get some time, right? And then they had to pull Julia Hart in uh, Bambi Hall, and that was going to be a short match because you didn't need to to do a, an extended squash for for Julia Hart. So yeah, the Punk promo was like fine, but it did did just feel like very, hey, CM Punk, go kill four minutes while we figure out the rest of this show and and re reconfigure some things since we just lost Willow and Athena. I love Nigel just coming like at the beginning, being he's here. Like it's, like it's Beatlemania, how come CM Punk? And listen, like Regina was really excited to see him. And the promo was very panderous, but it also set up the fact that, uh, what did I, what did we talk about last week? What did I tell you about the whole like CM Punk's reactions outside of the bubble? Regina was very much outside the bubble. And I said to you, the reaction he gets in that town is going to dictate how people feel about him in middle America, in places where it's not a major super duper market that's not Chicago. He's going to get booed in Toronto. He's going to get booed in, you know, I don't know, New York or LA, let's say. But he's not going to get booed in Regina because people like him and they see him as a baby face for that company. And that's exactly what he did. He played it up. And it, CM Punk is also smart enough and 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 good enough to understand that when you go into the aforementioned territories where he's booed, he'll play it up. What did he do with Kojima? Played a total dick until after the match where he shook his hand and bowed and thanked him. And then people were like, oh, maybe the CM Punk guy's not so bad. Maybe he's serious about this. And as the stories continue to come in about how reportedly Punk is taking <laughs> collision as like his show and he's serious about it, yada, yada. Like that that's gonna play into the recovery reclamation project of CM Punk in in the public eye. That will, will certainly happen. I thought you were about to mention the but but punk was wait, hold on. What was I what do you think I was about to mention? Oh, the blood and guts thing. Um oh, yeah, we talked about that last night. We had a good joke. Yeah. Punk was always gonna like 
collision was always going to be his show and he was always going to be involved in like kind of the direction of things on that right i mean clearly the show was kind of created to appease him and ease him back into things um yeah with the the blood and guts thing of hey ccm punk wants to work with these guys and he wants to be a pal team for, player for everyone yeah team player, cm punk here at your service get to that what if what if they do uh they don't announce the mystery partner for either side right and then you got the four on both sides announced for it and then we all of a sudden we get the cult of personality hits maybe maybe it doesn't maybe it just comes out on its own and we get uh shivani just screaming cm punk's here but whose side is he on that's what we need just punk coming down we don't know whose side he's actually on is he gonna hit john moxley is he gonna hit kenny omega we don't know which side cm punk is actually on that's that's what that's how they should book blood and guts i love someone in the chat being like collision was not created for punk I, i'm gonna tell you a secret it was very largely it was very largely with him in mind as the star of the show. <laughs> yeah, he he was 100% going to going to be the star of it. I'm not saying it was just like, oh, this show's going to live or die with him. We need to do this show otherwise we can't bring CM Punk back, but like he's the face of this show and he this was again very much reported of like he was going to be able to kind of pick sort of the stuff he and this was going to be the case anyway because i think he was always kind of picking his programs and whatnot but like he was going to pick who he wanted to work with and i'm not saying he was going to pick his roster like it was a draft it was he was going to pick like hey i want to work with jay white hey i want to work with samoa joe hey i like this person you look at that roster and it's very easy to see oh punk likes these guys he's put the guys over on this roster He's put them over publicly before everything happened. He'd always been a big fan of Powerhouse Hobbs. He'd always been a big fan of Malachi Black. Like he'd always liked a lot of these guys, Ricky Starks. Like he'd always liked a lot of these guys. And so it's no, you know, no coincidence that these guys are also on collision. By the way, Colin saying the show was created with punk in mind for punk, whatever it is, like it's not inherently a bad thing. Like clearly it's developed into a kind of a different show that people are feeling a different way about compared to dynamite. That's okay too. I, I, again, my biggest concern with collision at the top was like, God, I hope it doesn't become another thunder. And I said it on this show and you know, so far we're four weeks in uh, last week, notwithstanding it was a holiday weekend and it was a tape show and yada, yada, yada. It just wasn't, just wasn't it was a swing and a miss, whatever. That's fine. But the other shows that have aired so far for me have been, entertaining i've enjoyed them i've not looked back and been like oh that sucked i uh, you know the hamilton show was just a blip on the radar and honestly one that personally i expected so uh yeah punk is uh he's taking that investment i see cyclops in the chat saying cm punk really is trying to run a business now and you know what he, he always was trying to run the cm punk business because on his back is now this show and the leverage continues that if he brings that show up on his back with the people that he cares about, then guess who's got a, a big deal when the, when talks continue about his next steps in wrestling, whether that's a, a new talent contract or a backstage role, whatever he wants to do, he'll have all the leverage in the world. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like he, what's good for the 
CM Punk business is good for the AEW business. And what's good for the AEW business is good for the CM Punk business. So yeah, he's CM Punk is, he's always kind of had the business mindset, right? Of like, I'm, I'm in the business of what's good for me is also good for the company as a whole. Go back and look at like a lot of his promos. He's like, Hey, this is good for CM Punk. I think this is good for WWE as well. It's good for WWE. This is probably good for, for CM Punk, but you know, not always uh, the case, but he didn't have as much, you know, kind of pull and power over there. Whereas the ideas were one person, right? Tony is much more of like, yeah, what do you want? Like pitch me stuff. And he's more open to and collaborating on that kind of stuff. So yeah, the business line got a lot of attention, but as uh, Tony used a big word that I'm not going to use, because I forgot what the word actually was. Um, and at the forbidden door, localism, colloquialism. Yeah. yeah that thing. Um, that's what, that's what it always was for, for punk. I, again, we don't like to talk too much about ratings because I'm not a ratings person. Truthfully, I don't care that much about them unless the show is on like on the verge of getting canceled or something like that. Like I don't care about these ratings. If they do great. Awesome. If they don't do great, don't care. It doesn't affect my enjoyment at all. Here's what I will say about the upcoming uh, collision rating. Whenever that comes out, I think it comes out tomorrow morning. Don't worry too much about it. If it's, I assume it'll be up from the, previous week because the previous week was taped holiday weekend all that stuff joel mentioned but also keep in mind that ufc ran their pre-show their their prelim fights on abc a lot of crossover demo there robbie lawler had his last fight and granted it was only 30 seconds so people could have just watched that and then switched over and caught all of cm punk and samoa joe so that actually benefited aw but robbie lawler had his last fight on abc and I, I'm sure a lot of people were kind of tuning in for that. Like, don't don't pay too much attention to to this stuff. If it goes up, great. If it, if it's down, then okay. Is the show going to be canceled? Where was it on the night in cable? Sean put out the report. Um, and and I'll go ahead and, and sort of read this, not word for word, but it was basically Warner Brothers is worried about if, if are they top five on the night on cable right so even if the viewership is five hundred thousand and the demo is 0.13 did it finish second on the night yes good everything's fine like because you're still beating what you're up against you play to the competition level right your competition is not wednesday night television it's not tuesday nights it's what else is on on saturday nights that's the competition level so whatever they get, they're going to get. And as long as it's top five, I don't think people need to be too concerned about stuff. Now, starts to slip outside of top five. That's when we can have a conversation of like, okay, what do they need to change and everything? But you're you're playing to the competition, Joel. Like you, you're you're facing the team in front of you. And the team in front of you is Saturday night. Yeah, exactly. I There's nothing else I can add to that. And again, you know, Warner Brothers Discovery is very well aware of what's going to happen in the fall. And yeah. the support is there. They wouldn't have given them the show without, you know, understanding that football is going to be a big deterrent for the ratings. But that's not going to kill the product. If anything, they're going to be like, we believe that this can stand on its own and football is going to be fine running against it. 
yeah, it's probably going to affect the ratings to a certain degree, but like, we're not, we're not expecting you to, to pull, you know, bonkers numbers every week for this. So there's a belief there. There's a trust there. And as long as that trust is there, the show continues to run. And as long as the show continues to run, then guess what? It's successful. If it gets canceled, I look forward to story. I look forward to punk taking the entire fall and winter off and then returning that first non-saturday football weekend like look at this everybody we were doing we were doing four hundred thousand and a point one rating cm punk's back all of a sudden eight hundred thousand and a point three baby all because punk is back all out is gonna end with mjf bludgeoning cm punk putting him on a stretcher wheeling him out <laughs> never to be seen again and then mjf is gonna be like collision is my show now and we're gonna i swear to god we're gonna come back at like a month and i'm gonna have to play this me jokingly doing what they did <laughs> be like, well that was unexpected uh yeah before we talk about the uh, the two out of three falls match for the tag titles and the, the, that's been set up through the match that happened on collision with uh, uh ftr and jay and juice uh i do want to point out the uh the macklin replacement for slammiversary has been announced uh do you know who it is jeremy lambert's i do i wrote the article you did we were talking. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's cody diener which i last night said yeah it's probably going to be diener he has nothing going on in the card and he is an old faithful for impact i don't hate it i i don't like how they just set it up on on busted open but either way uh it, that match is going to be an overbooked shit show and i'm excited for that part of it so you know what put diener in the match why not well they kind of had to set it up this way i mean maybe you could you you definitely could have done like a pre-tape thing that aired on thursday but they've already taped all their stuff heading into slammiversary so it's not like you could have done a live tape of, of this because they they don't have a live show could you have like found an arena or found just like uh, a corridor, uh, a stairwell to shoot something with Bully and Diener to to air and put on Thursday's impact. Yeah, sure. But they didn't. They, they went this route. Um, eh, what, what are you going to do on this? Diener's fine, right? I got nothing against Diener. He's, he's arguing with Angels every week on, on impact because Angels is like, I want to do cool x division stuff and i don't feel like being under your thumb i mean diener's literally stabbed the man on television so like he fits in this little gimmick where you gotta like murder pco to beat him so it makes sense as a replacement is he gonna shift pco live on the air is that what you're telling me all right our post show is gonna be great me and steven (laughs) jensen just talking about people getting shivved on the air (laughs) He, he honestly might do it like you know, they they might just do you, you can do. This, I mean, this is what they did at uh, on on Thursday where they set PCO on fire. You go into the backstage area where nobody's around, and you just air the pre tape that Diener has uh, uh, carved up PCO, and then PCO is maybe dead until he returns. Yeah, because PCO is is never really dead. He's not human, people. Okay. Anyway, do you think they could like cut his ear off or something? Do you think PCO would be willing to do that for the sport? Yeah, I do actually. For the art, yeah. yeah. Quite frankly, he would. He, I don't know what it is about this man that he is so willing to do. A, he, he was like, he's either thinking, I love that my career has been this successful this long, or he's thinking like, why the f- did I decide to go this route, and why do I continue to do this to myself? 
No, I think he could. I mean, at this point, no, it's too late. He can't. He can't back out of 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 this stuff. But I think once he saw that it was working, he's like, "All right, I'm just gonna kind of kind of keep keep doing this." What we need is I don't actually uh, realistically want any of this to happen. I would like for people to maintain all of their natural body parts and stuff. But we could do an ear cut. I think that would be that would be realistic. Maybe tongue. Can we cut TCO? PCO's tongue? No, no, you can't do that. The ear is one thing. That's very like, um, what's the what's the movie? Oh my god, Reservoir Dogs. It's very Reservoir Dogs of you. They're gonna play stuck in the middle with you while they do it. What about an eye? PCO just he kind of already wears like an eye patch sometimes. Like, what if he just just wears the eye patch every time he wrestles? It's gonna be PCO eye for an eye match. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. I'm hearing it. I'm hearing you. Bully Ray versus PCO eye for an eye what how about like a toe like can can we cut like some toes off of pco or a finger that feels like a tony d'angelo nxt match it's very no but like he actually gets this like cut off though this is not a fake thing like he's actually gonna you take a a cigar cutter and just okay you do it but here's the thing bully ray pulls out at the last minute and replaces him with uh oh what's his name uh, the, the, uh, not Gabriel Kid, the, the, the base jumper, uh, used to be in WWE. Oh my God. He's done appearances for impact. He was Tyler, the bunny. Not, I was going to say Tyler, PJ black, PJ black. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Justin Gabriel was his name. Yeah. yeah Justin Gabriel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he brings out PJ black and PJ black loses the match. They take off his boot and then they realize, Oh shit. He's already lost a couple of toes and there we're good. What That's about, uh, Kazarian, Kazarian's big into cigars. They just they just steal Kazarian's cigar cutter and they just start chopping off uh, digits on on PCO. What else can they like cut off of him that that PCO would be willing to like do? I feel like that's that's about it. Ears, yeah, ears. You could Can't you be- could do a fake eye. You could do the fake eye thing because you just do, gimmick it and then he wears the eye patch. He's like, oh, it doesn't have an eye type of thing. Um, you you. Ear is like a realistic thing. A finger or a toe is a realistic thing. You can't like chop off like an arm and that'd be like real or a hand and that'd be real. Like you just can't actually do that. I think we're going to move our uh, tag title talk to next week because we, we do have a hard out and I don't, I want to give us more than five minutes to talk about FTR and J juice. We got two other shows to to talk about this. The match ain't taking place till Saturday. It's fine. I I just, uh, yeah. And and also like with the time left, I do want to bring up just some some follow-up from our MLW week because Never Say Never aired on Saturday. Uh, Delmi Exo won the WXW women's title. So now she gets to go to Germany, add wiser to the end of all of her statements and drink German beer. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, very very excited to see uh, Delmi Exo get that victory after joining us on this show as well um congrats to her on winning the wxw title now yeah like she, like you said she gets to head to japan to defend that thing uh here's a spoiler for everybody as well delmi Oxo put over uh paris van dale on, on our show she was like i would like her to you know come into mlw work with her the following night or i guess the same technical technical show uh because they taped it like after never say never uh, but on the fusion tapings, she worked with Paris Van Dale. So I'm glad that uh, she got that match. Yeah, that's great. I love hearing that. So uh, congrats to Delmi. And of course, uh, 
I opened my mouth and said, hey, Alex Hammerstone, did you realize that you're undefeated in the 2300 arena? And he's like, I'm undefeated in a lot of places. And then he decided to drop the world championship to Alex Kane. Uh, Don King is now a backer of, uh, I I can never properly pronounce, Bomaye. Bomaye. Bomaye Fight Club, which uh, I love that. And I love Court saying afterwards, like, we're going to try and get Don when we can to do these vignettes. (laughs) Great match. apparently been... It was it was a really good match. Alex Kane is a uh, great. Alex Hammerstone is, is great as well. So it was a, it was a good match to to close the show. He's probably been talking to Don King since Mania of last year, trying to get him to do something like insane. By the way, to be thinking like <laughs> we're gonna try and do this for over a year, two years almost. Yeah, yeah, absolutely nuts. Um, but yeah, Don King, that was a big surprise. Him popping up, he's like, yeah, this is who. Who's backing it? If I don't know if Don King's ever gonna do live stuff with MLW, but if they can do some pre-tapes with Alex Kane, that's a nice little uh, boost for Alex Kane. I truthfully do not know how much like cachet Don King has in 2023, but I know he's still like a name in the combat sports world who has ties to obviously a lot of legends in um, in in the world of boxing. I think my favorite comment was on the tweet. Like on the tweet that Fightful released with the news item that Don King was part of MLW, someone replied, wait, Don King, Don King, or is there a wrestler named Don King? (laughs) And even I had to do a double take because I was like, Don, Don, wait, that Don King? I saw the photo and I was like, oh, yeah, it's that Don King. Yeah. that, that was some pretty cool stuff. Listen, shout out to Court. Yeah. He knows how to pop a headline every so often, tell you that. And uh, Snitsky didn't get Microman, but he certainly had his handful uh, at the Fusion tapings. So, he did. Um, yes. but we, we won't spoil it, but it, unfortunately, this time around wasn't Microman. Might quite honestly be the opposite, for all we know, very soon. That's, that's the tag team right there. Microman and Snitsky. I want to see that. That would, not, that would be great. I, I'm for that. Microman's a... Uh chilling with the uh, mance old mancer though cardona's coming to mlw as well cardona kevin blackwood kevin blackwood's really good for people who have uh not seen him on the independent scene go check out go check out the match he did with uh roddy strong not too long ago but we got it we got a chat with kv we got a chat with blackwood make that happen we can make that All right, happen. let's talk to him he's, he's a great All dude right. he's he's moving back to buffalo soon too so we gotta talk to him about la and then talk to him about moving back to buffalo <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, let's get on out of here. Uh, Jeremy, let's uh, do the plugs and get it. Uh, FiveLoverBook.com. You're here right now if you're if you're watching, I guess, unless you're watching or listening on audio. But go to FiveLoverBook.com. Subscribe. Leave a thumbs up on, on the channel. A lot of new content daily. That, that's, that's all I'll say. And uh, from a lot of different contributors, a lot of great contributors that we appreciate uh, very much. So, yeah, FiveLoverBook.com and Fightful.com. Just go there. We love your support. Leave a thumbs up on your way out and subscribe to the channel. Uh, don't follow Jeremy. Follow Fight Talk underscore instead. I am Actual Pearl, J-O-E-L-P-E-A-R-L. Ladies, gentlemen, friends beyond the binary, we will see you on Wednesday when we get back in the weeds at 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll see you then. Cheers.